0: Yo, big shout-out to everyone. Welcome to another explosive segment of Live from D-Block. We are broadcasting live from the trenches of Concrete Village International, a.k.a. the State Penitentiary, the home of lockdowns, hunger strikes, hostage takings, prison riots, and gang rivalry. Welcome to my world. I am your incarcerated host, no doubt, the man who has brought you exclusive coverage and commentary on the prison experience in America. Yes, it is I, Ezekiel Thomas. And meeting you is both my privilege and pleasure, as always. So far, we have been keeping it real and keeping it relevant in our forum discussions. Our segments have been intended to be comprehensive and insightful with regard to the dynamics of prison culture and how to heal uh, the criminal mentality. And we have evaluated the impact of prison as an institution on the moral fabric of society. And we've also examined ways uh, to heal and, and develop the criminal mind. And these have been profound, thought-provoking conversations that have attempted to bring very complex and often controversial issues into a framework that allows us to analyze them critically and intelligently. And I'm going to tell you, man, I've been deeply empowered and encouraged by these segments and what they could mean to the mission to heal the criminal mind. And I want to follow in that vein and pursue yet another channel of exploration today into the criminal mentality, what that could possibly translate into enlightenment, for those who are still seeking intellectual and emotional liberation from failed thinking. Um, So our theme today is entitled, Rethinking the way we think in order to change the way in which we live. So let's start by saying this, the very notion of what it means to think has been revolutionized by technology. I think no one would disagree with that. The art of personal and effective thinking has become lost. Thinking in contemporary times is often synonymous with having a computer or handheld mobile device to think off. In the correctional setting, thinking is often synonymous with, you know, being clever, being manipulative, uh, being effective at deceit in the interest of exploiting other people. But there is a social link between the idea of thinking as conceived by the criminal mind and the definition we find that that has currency in popular culture. And that link is technology. Both the law-abiding citizen and the hardened convicted criminal and felon tend to associate the capacity for higher thinking functions, not with the ability to reason well, not with the ability of the mind to be logical, analytical, or deductive, but with technological sophistication, primarily technology, based in artificial intelligence that thinks for people. I'm smarter, they say, if I have a smartphone. I'm smarter, they say, if I have a smart app. I'm smarter, they say, if I have a smart program. I'm not smart necessarily if I can manage my problems well or can logically organize my priorities and think my way out of bad situations. So for criminals, technology represents thinking or enhanced thinking, but also the ability to outthink justice and the ability to outthink law enforcement. In both scenarios, both with the law-abiding citizen and the hard criminal, technology is seen as some defining trait of effective thinking. So this is the question that I'm posing today. If effective thinking is not simply me deferring the responsibility for rational thought processes to a communications device, then what is thinking? And for that matter, and for that matter, and for that matter, what does it mean to think better? I mean, how do we not the modern criminal mind of the notion that effective personal thinking is synonymous with artificial intelligence and that the responsibility to think well belongs more to your own mind than to your personal computer see i believe that the first step in correcting this fallacy of judgment is to offer a working definition of what it means to think and one that will counter the popularly held view that thinking is something that something or someone else does for us so what is thinking in my understanding of it And in my research, thinking is this extraordinary mental process that people use every day to organize life experiences into recognizable patterns of progress that indicate purpose, meaning, and direction. And the key words here that I want to focus on are progress and direction. See, effective thinking is characterized by its ability to progress our efforts, progress our strategies that lead to personal security by directing our focus on principles and priorities that enable us to outperform our everyday limitations. So thinking is this, this wonderful mental process that functions to help us gain control over our life by being able to extract value from our feelings, our beliefs, and our experiences. The unfortunate fact about effective thinking? however, is that it isn't congenial. It isn't inherited at birth. It's not, in, it's not a genetic gift that's given to everyone. On the contrary, the art of effective thinking is a learned vocation. It is one that is only acquired through proper instruction, proper training, proper repetition, and with time. So you think about that. You think about thinking and what it means. And you'll realize that the reason why balanced and effective thinking is such a challenge for those incarcerated is because the principles for developing sound thinking habits were never introduced into many of their lives the problem here is that although many incarcerated people want to change and redeem their lives like i have they simply can't because they're unable to make the complex psychological changes that are essential for self-transformation and those kind of transformations those ty- kind of changes require a level of thinking and a level of sophistication that generally is not present in those who are in prison. This in no way condemns or put down people who are behind bars. I'm one of those people. But it is to say that thinking has to be learned and for many people who are struggling to change, that vocation has not been acquired. Outward change must follow inward transformation. And this inward transformation begins with a change in the quality of our thinking. Now, this may seem like common sense, you know, the idea that the quality of our life is determined by the inward quality of our thoughts. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something. Nowadays, common sense is not so common, right? That's because many people in prison fail to comprehend that this is a basic correlation, the correlation between the conditions of one's life and the disposition of one's thinking. As a result, they suffer from the misery of their own devices. They blame other people for their problems. They can blame other people for social... They can blame their problems on social injustice or... They can blame their problems on the abuse of other or cultural disadvantages or being disenfranchised or whatever. But at the end of the day, the fact remains that many people behind prison walls are suffering from the misery of a failed thought life. Plain and simple. So along with the definition for what thinking is, I want to offer something else in this segment. I want to also present three thinking models that can help us identify effective thinking habits, and I want to distinguish them from ineffective thinking patterns. Now, these models were actually devised from my anecdotal observations of hundreds of men in the prison setting during my 27 years of incarceration, and you know, linking consistent thinking habits with certain outcomes over very long periods of time. I then taught what I learned um, from these observations in classes, and I helped devise Uh, for the purpose of developing critical thinking skills and men who were seeking reform from the criminal mentality. But today I want to offer those thinking models to everyone. To everyone. I want to offer it to those who are incarcerated and to those who are not. And these categories of thinkers, uh, which are three in number, can be described as this. The dysfunctional thinker, the functionable thinker, and the exceptional thinker. And let's talk a little bit about each now when i say dysfunctional thinker, i'm talking about someone who lacks mental organization someone who reacts to problems with feelings as opposed to principles a person who lives by life patterns that are very destructive and by beliefs that are very self-defeating mm-hmm. they are those types of people who live their lives rude by fear confusion failure and a very flawed self-concept a lot of the dysfunction in their thinking is rooted in past hurt and deep emotional traumas that have never been resolved. Then you have the functionable thinkers, those who are conditioned to think and behave according to acceptable social standards, but who fail to define define purpose or define meaning and direction for themselves. They are also those who live by rules of fear, rejection, and criticism from others. They are people who are willing to betray their own dreams in order to satisfy the expectations of others. And then you have exceptional thinkers those who are able to actualize their potential, those who are able to turn crisis into focus, who are able to separate fact from fiction, who are able to extract value from pain and turn chaos into order. While in the pursuit of clear and very realistic goals, that's who they are. They are those who live life characterized by a strong sense of self-acceptance and self-satisfaction and who are able to perform feats that are able to outperform their limitations. In closing, I want to say some things about thinking. Listen, it's not mandatory that we obey everything that we think about. Thoughts are not commanded to be carried out without question. We are not always who we think we are. But if we are, if we are not vigilant, we can become the things that we think about. Something is not true just because we think it. Our thoughts would never tell us more than what we already know because our thinking is a mere reflection of what we have already learned. Listen, to change what we receive from our thinking, we must introduce something new into our thought life. What we feed our focus is what our thoughts will grow into. Our thoughts will never tell us the truth as long as our beliefs continue to lie to our thoughts. How we think determines not what we see in life, but it determines how much we determine not to see. It's not what happens to us that matters, but how we think about what happens to us that should matter. In the end, my friend, what we must do is rethink the way that we think in order to think a better way and in order to live our best life. That's my message today. You stay positive, you stay free, and you stay healed. I'm out. (laughs) Take care.